know, you, you can't just go through uh, randomly dropping 50% of the resumes. <laughs> Do you want to hire someone who's unlucky? Let's be real here. <laughs> oh, I'm joking. Oh, that's a, I'm that's joking. I don't one. actually do that. <laughs> oh, or do man. I? You don't know. It's a black box. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Work in Progress podcast. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about interviews. It's a subject that comes up quite a bit. And uh, I think it's just relevant for folks as they come and go in their careers. Let's, I mean, we can, we can start with like current state of what interviewing looks like, because I don't think it's changed too much in however 10 years I've been in the industry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's start with that. Okay. Cause like you sh- I mean, okay. So it's, it's changed a lot. Like, <laughs> let's be real. Um, granted, I think it's what used to be there. This is still around for some places, but um, mm-hmm. I remember my very first interview was uh, just a, a quick, like, 15-minute phone call to, to see if <laughs> I'm interested in the company, if the company's interested in me, and then they would come, they would they would have me come in for, like, an hour whiteboarding session where I oh, sit yeah, there okay. with a pen and a pen and paper or a, a whiteboard with a marker and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. try to write some code to solve a problem with this weird utensil that i don't know how to use <laughs> right yeah yeah and i like I'm, I'm sure that still exists somewhere um yeah obviously haven't run into it during covid or since i started doing remote work but um it's interesting how the interview process has evolved like we used to do that now it's a a take home take home project mm-hmm. is very common now um i've i've heard and seen some companies where they will say, hey, can you work full-time for us for a week? We'll pay you. Yeah. And that's going to be your your interview um, and see how you, how you work with the team. Um, I've, I've, I've seen places where they send out this quiz to, to quiz you on topics related to software. <laughs> um, and some, of course, amalgamation of all of the above. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen so many different practices, just like uh, as you were uh, talking about that, I was thinking through all of the different ones that I had gone through. Yeah, tons of whiteboarding, um, take homes, uh, conversations coming in. Uh, I've, I've had to take um, what I can only assume was like some sort of an IQ test. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, uh, because the it was like a standardized exam and it was a lot of like pattern matching, complete the analogy, complete the, you know, uh, what word belongs in the sentence, like, you know, uh, <laughs> figuring out like, I guess, like English tenses and stuff like that. So huh. um, I've done one of those. <laughs> that was really wild. And it was actually really frustrating uh because they sent me a link to do that and then when i showed up for the on-site they made me do it again and i have no idea why that is maybe they were like measuring to see if i cheated or something like that i don't know what the point of it was um but yeah i I had done that let's see nowadays there's pairing pair programming Mm -hmm. interviews um there's one uh, there's a new style of interview that my place is trying out and it's been relatively successful we call it a combination of code comprehension and then uh and then you know writing a small sample um i'd love to talk about that one that one's a really cool one <laughs> and see if you're 
<laughs> see if that piques your interest. Go, go for it. Talk about it. Yeah, let, yeah. Let go into details here, man. Yeah. Okay. So code comprehension. So this is the way the the interview works now. Um, and and so far we've gotten a lot of really positive uh, responses to it. What we do is basically we have this uh, set of files. Um, it's really in, like just a project, like any other code project. Um, and you open it up in an editor of your choice, and it's just got a smattering of files. Uh, it's it's actually code from our one of our production systems that's just been largely um, shelled out, you know. And so there's really just a, a base skeleton of it, and you can kind of see some behavior. Mm. Uh, I believe, like depending on what role you're applying to, like it's essentially just an API that returns some data. And then a couple service classes that do some things and a model, you know, uh, and a model class that kind of represents the the data it's doing. As a candidate, you're just asked to take this file, open it in editor of your choice, and then start talking about it. What do you notice? What patterns do you see? Mm. Uh, What do you like? What do you not like? Right. Mm. Uh, And the beauty of this is after I shadowed one of these, I I realized that it's actually like, I'm a big, big fan of it because at the base level, you know, an associate candidate can come in, take the exact same test and your expectations are just a little bit different. Right. An associate, Hmm. you're like, well, do you understand what the code is doing? Right. Can you tell me what this code is trying to do? And then for mid-level and more senior candidates, we're like, well, what patterns do you notice here? You know, what design patterns are you seeing? You know, how, what, um, how are these tests written and, and what do you, what concerns would you have around that? And, you know, where would you, where would you evolve this, right? How would you evolve this? And it's very interesting to see, you know, more senior candidates talking about like, Oh yeah. Okay. This is a, this is a strategy pattern that I've, I've seen. This is obviously using a factory pattern. That's interesting. So that probably means a couple of these other things. Right. And so Mm. it's just talking about the code like that. And I think, of all the interview formats I've ever participated in, this is probably the one that's given me the best sort of insight as to the quality of the engineer, or at least the experience of the engineer that I'm talking to. That's that's a new one. I have never run into that <laughs> at all. I mean, so so ad hoc I have. It's I've I've seen take home exams where, or take home projects where they mm-hmm. give you existing code and you're supposed to build on top of that or tweak it in in a way to to make it work the way they're asking right. you to make it work. Which means to some extent you have to be able to read what it's currently doing in order right. to get it to where they want you to get it to. Um, but actively having conversations about that that's that's a new one. Yeah, it's uh, to be honest, it's an evolution from the the take home project because uh, what we noticed was, I mean, the, I think the industry has gone in this direction, right? Like you don't tell, you can't tell very much about the quality of the engineer through just having them whiteboard, right? There's there's a, a proponents out there that will say, oh, you can learn so much about them, but uh, not every workplace has the same kind of need for that type of engineer. Right. And mm-hmm. a lot of the the industry is is sort of coming to terms with that. Right. Um, and so the take home project was meant to be more of a show us you can code, show us you mm-hmm. can do this. I don't care what resources you you end up using, what you have at your disposal. Ultimately, that's a factor in 
uh, your your effectiveness as an engineer, right? Your resourcefulness. And so what we notice though with take-home projects is you get a very, very wide range of, of responses. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of circumstance that factors into um, the quality of, of submissions, right? Mm-hmm. I... So uh, a story about when I was given my first take-home project, um, I was on vacation and I literally told them, I was like, I'm not going to look at this until I get back from vacation. Sorry, right? That that played a factor in ultimately how much time I put in, how much effort I, I went through and how much uh, work I, I actually did for it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've had candidates who passed the interview simply because they wrote in saying, yeah, uh, really, really busy week. I only put four hours into this. It's got all of the, the base behavior and none of nothing fluff, nothing frou-frou. Um, that's it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool. Oh, okay, for four hours and saying that you only did the bare minimum, it looks like it, it's a competent project. Mm-hmm. And then I've had other candidates say, well, I took, you know, over three weeks to do this and... And suddenly you realize people grade that differently, right? Mm-hmm. You yourself grade that differently. You're like, oh man, for three weeks of work, this is all you came up with? Like right. I would have expected a little bit more uh, more frills, more. <laughs> yeah, there's a level of bias in there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. So anyways, the, that new code comprehension interview um was an evolution of that mm-hmm. and and uh, by the way i did not come up with that um when i uh when i joined my current position that was a new practice um and i was very very interested in in learning about how it came about um and actually uh, well i was going to give credit to the person who who, who i know <laughs> but i w- i haven't asked permission so i <laughs> Very talented individual. I'm very lucky to to be able to call them a, a, a coworker and a peer, um, but uh, an, an incredibly thoughtful person as well who came up with this. Yeah, I I, I like the idea that that you're I don't want to say testing, but you're you're looking for their ability to read code because ultimately you're hiring for someone to come into your code base and to work in it. <laughs> a, a huge aspect of that is can you read existing code understand it and then build on top of it yeah um and then you know also part of that is uh trying to formulate understanding of historical context based off of what you see right see Um, this is the best part too like you you, more senior engineers more experienced engineers they tend to ask questions in that way right like how did the code get to this state right mm -hmm. And, and more junior candidates simply look at the code and they're trying to just say, oh, it does X, it does Y. Uh, and that's okay, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, so so this this code, set of code that you, you have people look at, how, mm-hmm. how complex is it? Oh, I, I, being completely honest, I would fully expect any candidate um, to be able to jump into it and start to make sense of the files, mm-hmm. you know, and and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of um, approach it from like let's say you're a brand new junior who you've learned how to code, but you maybe haven't seen like a project, um, you haven't seen like a pro- like quote unquote production project before, right? Mm-hmm. 
So there's your standard um, either POM XML, right, or or Gradle build file or whatever your um, your dependency file is, your your uh, project manifest. Uh, there's one of those files. There is a nice little folder structure. There's not a bunch of like the other like readmes and things in there, mm-hmm. but there's a, a source folder, and then there's a couple of different packages that outline service, test, do, uh, model. I believe we, we we use that term model instead of domain, but mm-hmm. um, it's laid out that way. And there's an expectation that the person is curious about that, right? They don't just jump into the first main dot you know main dot js main dot whatever right rb or whatever um and and they sort of navigate that right you look at the import statements like oh what do you notice like oh Mm -hmm. this this behavior comes from here this behavior comes from there let me open those files um and it's really really interesting to see that right Mm -hmm. i i feel like i'm gonna regret saying this but there's (laughs) also a level of comfort that you can assess from this because um less experienced people um they're very clicky right they're Mm -hmm. very clicky and and they also don't tend to be very comfortable in uh whatever editor it is they're using right whereas more seasoned people they tend to be utilizing keyboard shortcuts a little bit more right i i want to be very clear i'm not looking for keyboard shortcuts but the way that you navigate around And the way that like the ease from which you can sort of see all the files there, get files open, jump from file to file, little things like that really clue me in as to like what kind of level of comfort do you have as an engineer, right? So so I'm I'm laughing in the background here because I so I I use VS Code religiously. Uh I don't (laughs) I it's it's very, very uh what's what's the term? Uh stock. VS yeah. code, yeah, not yeah. a whole bunch of extensions. And so I'm like, I literally, because I know the languages I'm working in, I know exactly what to do. Uh, con- command shift F on. <laughs> <laughs> well, so being completely honest, there's two keyboard shortcuts. Like I use VS code now as well for, for a lot of my own personal development. And um, there's two keyboard shortcuts that I basically use all the time. And and the rest of it is like it's fine. I don't I don't really use it too much. One is like go to file, mm-hmm. uh, and and actually I took one from um, uh, IntelliJ as well because I, I used to develop in IntelliJ a lot. Uh, go to recent file. Mm. Uh, I know VS Code has it basically built in, but I just I got used to that keybind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so go to file like that, and then yes, Control Shift F. <laughs> oh man, find yeah. global. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was gonna. That's say. basically it. Yeah, I, I think um, that, that so went through a, a very similar interview uh, a ways back where take home project, right? Mm-hmm. But instead of them just taking a look at it and then asking me about my decisions, they're like, walk me through how this interaction in the, the front end part makes its way to the database through mm, your code, yeah, yeah. right? So I, I'm seeing parallels between reading the code and then um, explaining how it all works, uh, but with someone yeah. else's code, just not a, a specific set of code. Um, I, I, I really, really like that your this this approach specifically is you you have a set code. You can mm-hmm. it's it's a a static piece of code that you can measure for different candidates instead yeah. of of giving someone a project with 
and letting them open or, or letting them approach it with whatever assumptions they might approach it with. Right. Because then that's right. where it becomes hard to gauge uh, across different candidates um, objectively. Yeah. We've How long? Plenty. Oh, okay. yeah. Sorry. You No, you. No, you. <laughs> well, we used to have, all, you know, all sorts. Like, we had so much variance with those take-home projects. Like, super senior staff, principal engineers would just knock out the base level of requirement because they thought that's all was asked of them, right? Mm-hmm. They thought it was, like, a, a challenge. Like, just do what we're asking you to do. And, I mean, they're not wrong in that, right? <laughs> right. Like, how do you... How, like, that, that, that was part of the challenge, right? People didn't really... Uh, understand sometimes that it's like, oh, well, you know, we want to see, we want you to put your best foot forward. Mm -hmm. Some people were like, you gave me an assignment. I did the assignment. Done. (laughs) Yep. I'm I'm drawing parallels here to, uh, to public education here. Hot take, (laughs) hot take moment. Um, Hot take. uh, Teaching to testing standards, right? Like, oh, yes. We're we're only going to teach you to do the bare minimum to pass the standardized test. Yeah. In, instead of teaching them to think a little <laughs> bit more outside the box and approaching problems that way. Uh, this, yeah. this this draws very much parallels to that is here's an assignment. Mm-hmm. You just, just meet the standards and you, you're, you're fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. So <sighs> I, I'm very glad to, to see this and, you know, just, I'm just going to rant on it for a moment because it bothers <laughs> me. Like I really, really wish more of our industry would move in this sort of a direction. Uh, I, like it still bothers me today when I see candidates uh, or, or prospective candidates getting a um, like a, a written test, you mm-hmm. know, a written quiz test emailed to them or something like that. Um, heck, it bothers me today when when candidates get uh, really poor substitutes for the whiteboard. Like th- mm-hmm. this is a definitely. Uh, a problem that COVID uh, and the pandemic has exacerbated. There's so many companies who are used to doing the whiteboarding interview Mm -hmm. and their solution is to just take that and put it virtual. And it is so awkward. (laughs) I don't know about you guys. I cannot draw with a mouse. I can't whiteboard with a mouse like Google Jamboard. No, I'm sorry. That's it's, it's a sorry, sorry substitute. Wait, literally whiteboarding on a screen. Yeah, literally. It's insane. It's <laughs> insane. And you know, it's it's awkward. Everything looks like it was written by like a 2-year-old who's picked up a crayon for the first time. <laughs> and it's just one of those things. It's like a I I think it's a perfect example of a practice that's adhered to. Mm-hmm. That has whose principle has been lost, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the principle of what, of the activity that you're doing and what you're actually looking for has been lost. And, and all that's left is just ad- blind adherence to a process. That's insane. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I, I can't even comprehend that, that that's a thing. <laughs> Our industry's wild, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's, let's, let's talk about another great practice. Binary trees. Oh God. <laughs> I want you to to uh, write an equation algorithm to uh, traverse this tree in prefix yeah, order right. by hand <laughs> with your mouse. <laughs> yeah, imagine doing that, drawing that out on a on a 
I, I just on a virtual dis- whiteboard. I just disqualified myself from so many potential jobs in the future. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, okay. I I, I want to touch on that for just a minute because, like, it, here here is a notion that I sort of wish um, candidates could move forward from. You know, there are a lot of these places. There are a lot of these places that that is their uh, their way of assessing candidates. Right mm-hmm. now both of us on this call and a lot of people out there feel like that's not a great way to assess candidates, right? But here's the reality. Even if it's not a great way to assess candidates, that's their way of assessing candidates, right? Mm -hmm. And you have a choice. You can hate the process all you want, but at the end of the day, if you don't want to take part in it, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Right. That also means you're not going to get those jobs. But hey, those might not be jobs you want. Right. Fair. Fair. So I, mean... uh, I, I have actually heard really good justification for for some of these types of, of questions like um, uh, Google is notorious. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Google, Amazon, the fangs, they're notorious for this. But uh, the best justification that I've ever heard and, and a part of me really does actually like agree with it. These are sort of out off the beaten path bits of, of knowledge, of context, of information, right? Mm-hmm. And if you work at these places, you there's a lot, there's a good chance that you're probably going to have to explore some of these off the beaten path things. And mm-hmm. you're going to have to become relatively productive with it in a short amount of time, right? So it doesn't matter if you've never had to use a, a, you know, a binary tree in, in any production software you've ever written today might be the day that you have to. And if you're going to approach it with sort of that, um, that, that uh, resistance, right. Google doesn't want that. Mm-hmm. They don't want the engineer. That's like, Ooh, I've never had to do this before. Why do I have to do this now? They want the engineer. That's like, Oh, neat let me go figure that out real quick and here we go i did something with it i think i think there's a very big call out here is uh for the fangs they actually use these deep algorithmic things though right they're they're dealing they they do they do i mean not every team with you know no not every team but (laughs) it's your your odds odds are higher that you're going to run into these type of of problems um, but for, for a majority of companies, it's like, even the companies I've worked for, I've never had to touch a binary tree ever. Right. And so it's like, um, the call out here is, you know, make for, for employers, for, for employer screening is making, making sure that your interview process and what you're putting your candidates through, I think making it reflective of some of the problems that they, they will actually run into. I only benefits both parties. I strongly agree with that. And I think that that's probably as close to a best practice as, as there is, you know, in, in interviewing. Um, that's not to say that that's, uh, easily done either. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I mean, knowing's half the battle. I mean, and you know, going back to what I said earlier, there's some companies who will legitimately pay you to just work on the team for a week. Yeah, I've uh, I, I sort of wish I've I've I sort of wish I'd have had that kind of experience before, uh, because I think that that's super interesting, 
And I think that that is taking the same idea as sort of this code comprehension interview, right, um, to the next level. Because now you get to see how they interact with the team actually, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think like there's in in just my time there have been people who, quite honestly, the process just didn't tell me enough that I wanted to know about them. Um, and some folks I took a, a a risk on, and other folks I didn't. And it would have been really really nice to just see, hey, how would this person have actually interacted with the the team? You know? Right, right. I, this this specific method of interviewing it it can be costly too. So I oh, there's yeah. there's probably a reason why uh, not everyone's doing it. Um, oh yeah, you know you, you can't just go through through my own personal individual process of uh, randomly dropping fifty percent of the resumes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to hire someone who's unlucky? Let's be real here. <laughs> Oh, I'm joking. Oh, I'm a, joking. I don't one. actually do that. <laughs> oh, or do man. I? You don't know. It's a black box. You know, uh, hey, actually, on, on the topic of resumes for a minute, like I get asked this so much, like, oh, you know, how, uh, like, help me, help me write a good resume. Like, help me. You know, is my resume good enough? Like anything in that I, I get asked this so, so much. And, and I think I don't think my answer has changed in quite some time. Like, I'm just going to touch on it for a minute. Like, okay, everyone out there, if you have a resume and you're getting responses or people are picking it up or, or you're getting calls or anything like that, it's good enough. Mm-hmm. That's 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 my bar. It's a good enough resume. There is no such thing as the perfect resume because everybody reads them, interprets them, looks at them very, very differently. I'm not going to lie. I don't spend more than 30 seconds on it on any resume pretty much. I just scan through it. Uh, because honestly, across all levels of experience, I noticed that people are really, really bad at being able to write a page document that tells me they're the kind of candidate I want. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's just that's my honest take on it. <laughs> it's so it's it's it, so it's really hard to write a good resume because you don't necessarily know who your audience is. Exactly. And so like, I don't want to make it sound like it's all the candidates fault because it absolutely isn't right. Mm. Companies are, are notoriously bad at just being very frank about the kind of person that they want. Right. Mm-hmm. Job How many descriptions. Li- yeah. Job descriptions are <laughs> God awful. And then there's people out there who are, you know, companies out there who are like, Oh, well, we only hire rock stars or 10 Xers and all of that nonsense. And it, it, it's just a load of crock like that. That whole space is is just a mess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and quite frankly, that's why I don't spend more than 30 seconds looking at a resume. Mm-hmm. I basically just scan through it and I'm like, OK, there, there's this person sounds like someone I'm interested in talking to. That's that's it. So so the interesting part about scanning resumes is uh, your, your context for which you're scanning resumes also changes, right? Uh, one moment you could be looking for someone to do speci- who has a specific strength somewhere. They could be a great candidate now, but mm-hmm. six months from now, the company's needs changed. Your team's needs changed. That, yeah. that same candidate may not be the best fit anymore. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's uh, again another really really big problem. Like, you know, for for my uh, just how much time that I've I've had experience as a manager, I've run into so 
many cases and they are frustrating deeply deeply frustrating like i want to apologize to all the people out there who who have ever like on behalf of the industry who've ever applied to a job got really really positive feedback through the entire thing and then the process just went dead on you it just they, stalled on they you ghosted you like <laughs> i i just want to apologize because like there's the first of all there's a million reasons million and a half reasons as to why the process stalled and and more than half of them don't even deal with you as a candidate uh just to share from my own experience this literally happened to me i had a friend i was very very excited to bring them on to the company because i thought they'd be a perfect fit uh they were an excellent engineer and and had a ton of potential a ton to gain from from joining my company um so we threw them through the process literally halfway through the process i was told uh by leadership ooh, we're going to pause on hiring because uh, we have some organizational uh, shifts that are happening and we want to just settle on that before we figure out where the headcount goes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, what? Like, I, I, I put my neck out for it. I, like, asked this person and, and hyped it up and everything. And now we're going to stall him like this? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's only for a little while. It's only for a little while. Six months later? <laughs> well, like, honestly, it went a month. It went a month, and and at the end, um, props to the props to my friend. He was like, "Yeah, to be honest, man, I don't know. I did, just didn't get a really good feeling from from this whole thing, and and I'm just gonna go with a different place." Yeah, it I, felt bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it felt so bad. So, yeah. So, anyways, so the crazy thing is, uh, a while back, I had a similar situation, except um, I was on the receiving end. I applied, went through the, the interviews. Great, fantastic. No, no, you know, terrible red marks <laughs> came back yeah. for me. Um, they said, you know, well, we'll let you know within a week. About three months later, I get a, a letter saying, "Oh, we've decided to turn you down." I'm like, <laughs> wait, yeah. So, <laughs> what? <laughs> well, good thing I already yeah. took a different position. <laughs> like, it's it's yeah. interesting. Like, it, just the the basic basic behavior of keeping people in the loop doesn't always happen yeah yeah well and you know it, it, uh, like on a more personal take like i i think it comes back to one of the things that you um you've talked about before about like cognitive load and and mm-hmm. like social circles um I, like being a recruiter honestly don't don't be mad at recruiters don't be mad at your your um hiring personnel they work really really hard and and like I I'm I'm I tend to be very introverted myself. Uh, when you stretch yourself and pour energy into, you know, just ten people, like that's already exhausting to me. Mm-hmm. They do that on a weekly basis, and it's not tens; it's hundreds mm-hmm. of people, right? Um, some people do fall through the cracks, and it's very very unfortunate. It's yeah. very very unfortunate, but. It's it's sort of like a collective. I, I think personally, it's more of a collective issue with the industry and and just how that all gets um, prioritized. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. And just continuing on that same vein, it's like I can't imagine how many potential candidates don't answer recruiters at all. Like they'll see right. it and then just close it. 
or yeah. or they'll see it, say something, close it, and then never respond again. Like it, it goes both ways. Because mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I'm I'm guilty of it sometimes too. Well, a lot of times because I don't check my LinkedIn too often. Um, but you know, I'll I'll get messages and I, I come back in three months later. I'm like, oh, I, I forgot I had responded to this message. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's oh, yeah. I um, man, that's that's a whole topic in and of itself. <laughs> that it just oh, fi- finding the right people is is really really challenging. <laughs> I, I bet. I mean, I, I have a bunch of buzzwords on my resume mm-hmm. <laughs> just littered in there. And I, I have I have not touched Java for years. Uh, mm. And when I did, it was probably maybe six months work, worth of uh, experience in Java. Yeah. I, I get queried for Java jobs. I'm just like, I'm not a great fit, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially you don't want to be doing that anymore. Just, right? just because that word shows up somewhere on my resume. Right. Oh gosh. And, and and just just so people are aware, I'm not like sticking keywords in there for the purpose of sticking keywords. It's literally like initially here's here's my my summary of that position is uh um I was initially hired to to break down a, a Java monolith into discrete microservices. Mm-hmm. The business decided to pivot to maintain the monolith but break out the server side rendering to a React SPA. Uh, so I have Java, that one word in there, and <laughs> whatever recruiting software is out there picked that up and was like, oh, this is a great candidate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just, just adding some context to that. You know, I um, I want to just just to touch on that for, for a minute. This this uh, I get really uh, animated about this subject because I, I just think that um, there's a lot of of, I guess, misnomers miscommunication around this whole topic there's a lot of cracks that people fall through and then what what bothers me so much is then there's there's like so many different levels of of people trying to to compensate for all of those holes and they continue to just build on one another and it becomes like this mess this Mm -hmm. complete utter mess like uh, I, I heard about this practice. Please do not do this. I guarantee you it doesn't help you in any way, shape, or form. I heard about this practice where uh, candidates were in were using like transparent font. Like you would take, you know, oh my um, like white, change the text color to white, right? And then dump <laughs> into your resume a bunch of keywords so that an uh, wow. so that an applicant tracking system an ATS will go through read that see see all those that your resume has all those keywords and then you'll you'll suddenly make it to the top of the stack you holy know? cow don't don't do that <laughs> just don't do that like that's insane i know it's it, it <laughs> absolutely is it absolutely is give and, me one second just... i need to change my resume <laughs> Just all of the uh, all of like the boogeyman talk I hear around around ATS systems and and getting to the top of the pile and getting noticed and all of that. Like, here's my honest take and honest um, uh, advice for all of it. Don't do any of it. It's all a distraction. Okay, and I know there's going to be people out there listening who are going to be like, oh, well, but, you know, it wronged me like it happened to me. I'm the case like I'm evidence. Here's I, I like this is still going to apply. I guarantee you 
if you invest time into presenting yourself better as a candidate who, you know, has the skills, has the capability, and has the responsibility, that will go so much farther than any one resume change, any one perfect resume, or any, heck, even like career coaching, you know, like... Mm -hmm. Just invest in being able to talk passionately, clearly about the technologies that you care about, and then talk about how you can take that interest and make it useful to people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's it. <laughs> invest in, in relationships. That's it. Like, just do that. You will find a job much easier than trying to hack your, your, your resume. Yep. Yep. At the end of the day, uh, software is a, a team sport. Yeah. And if if you, you might have as many credentials, as many skill sets as as anybody else out there, if if you can't communicate, if you're terrible, difficult to work with, it's going to mean nothing. Exactly. It's a, exactly like, OK, sure, maybe you maybe you got onto an on site because you hacked your resume. But the moment people talk to you and you lack those core skills, they won't want to come back and talk to you again. Mm -hmm. Like, I guarantee it. It's yeah, like, you know, and then there's and then, of course, there's going to be people who are, are a little overly reductive. It's like, oh, it's not about what you know, it's who you know. Right. And they sort of say <laughs> that as like this dig against like networking. Mm -hmm. like just to be completely clear it's not really about who you know it's about the relationships you're willing to build yep like yep. it's about the relationships you're willing to build if you aren't willing to build a relationship with a, a recruiter and be friendly with some of these people and talk to these people and get to understand what it is they care and need about that and need guess what you're not going to come across as someone that they need right so it's not like it's not it's not you know just networking no it's it's relationship building mm -hmm. like I, I i i'm done ranting <laughs> and we're done <laughs> i'm done ranting <laughs> i'm getting too worked up from this one <laughs> clearly you've been bit by it in the past <laughs> i i have just spent too much time um trying to to talk to individuals um and answering the same question <laughs> yeah fair and and getting the same response like what like i shouldn't stack my resume like hey is this resume good enough like hey man did you get in the door you did good it's good enough like that's all <laughs> <laughs> right all right uh i think that might be a good good stopping point then <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, we, we were talking about interviews, right? We were talking mm -hmm. about interviews in general. Um, man, I feel like I went off on a crazy tangent. No, that's that's a, that's a good thing because it's it's all related and it's all valid and uh, useful. Like, yeah. What? Um, uh, let, let me ask you this, Alan. What do you think is? Uh, what do you look for? What do you look for in in candidates? It depends. Don't you love that answer? Yeah, yeah. Like all <laughs> things in software, it depends. Um, it depends, but for the most part, like I don't, I don't care what stacks you've you've worked in. Um, I mean, obviously, it's it's nice to have if you you're working in the stack that we're hiring for. But ultimately, if I'm I'm looking for your ability to learn, mm. um, I, 
measuring that can be difficult. Uh, but for the most part, during interviews, uh, especially the the pairing portion of it, which I somehow ended up on in every company <laughs> I've been at, despite you know uh, not not asking for that responsibility. Going back to our previous episode of responsibilities, um, <laughs> I, I look for them to ask questions. It's like we we all as engineers operate with assumptions. Like here, mm-hmm. like you're you're asking me to build a to do list okay mm-hmm. like is is basic question is is that it is there anything more you want out of it because even even a super basic question like that tells me you are keying in on details and acceptance criteria mm, yeah. because building a to-do list is very vague and the what comes out of it can change based off the assumptions you're operating under because some yeah. people will take that and be like, okay, I need to be able to add things. I need to be able to remove things. I need to be able to update the names. Other people will be like, just take a list and display it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just opening up with like, are these criteria sufficient? Just starting mm-hmm. there. Um, and then, you know, some of the other things, if, if for whatever reason, the exercise has very specific details we want them to build around. Ask us, you know, is... Is there a specific framework, specific language you want me to build it in? Again, it comes back to your, your, this tells me you've had experience with projects that are ambiguous and you're collecting information, which is huge. (laughs) You know, you're touching on something that I am, uh, uh, that I I absolutely love. Uh, What you're really talking about here is like this genuine sense of curiosity, right? I think of all the interviews that I've seen and just interactions with people in general, if you have a genuine sense of curiosity, that goes so far. Mm -hmm. You know, like, have you ever just talked to somebody and wanted to hear what they were going to say next? Like, you were, like, hanging on every word that they were saying, and you're like, please say more. Mm -hmm. Have you ever noticed how that just opens people up and they're like, oh, hey, this person actually cares about what I care about. That's super cool. Well, let me just unload on them for a minute. <laughs> and it's like, completely fine. And it's completely <laughs> fine. Like, that is that is so beautiful. Like, I think actually, rather than all of the nonsense about resumes and worrying about skills even, if you can capture that, like displaying a genuine, keyword genuine, sense of curiosity... Oh my gosh, it opens up so many doors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we're looking for so many times in these, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care I if mean, you've done this before. Yeah, like, are you curious about it? Are yeah. you going to ask me questions as if you're uh, to, to show that you're curious about it? Mm-hmm. You know, that that's uh, honestly, that's kind of where the, uh, um, the whole practice of like, I think that's where the whole practice of do you have any questions for us comes from, right? A person who's disengaged and has no questions is not curious. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. They're not just looking for a job. Yeah. Yeah. I, so personal experience, having having gone through interviews myself, part of being genuine, at least for me, is being transparent and honest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, going back to, I, I mentioned this in earlier, earlier episodes, being humble, being honest, and being hungry, right? Hunger, yeah. that hunger is that curiosity. Being honest is being genuine and transparent. Being humble is just not being a jerk. 
just <laughs> but yeah like in previous previous uh experiences interviewing i i would always tell them it's like yeah it's it's been it's been years since i've touched this framework like i i'm not gonna be able to explain the ins and outs of it i it's, right. it's been a while but like here let me let me try to reason through it with the understanding i know of just general practices and doing so it's like part parts of the way through if i stumble i'll be like did i get that is my understanding correct like can you can you confirm or at least you know take this moment to teach me uh what i misunderstood about this specific set of technology like there's nothing wrong with saying i don't know right which is huge yeah and i actually like what you did just there in in saying it you're like these are my assumptions based on my prior experience this is how i thought it would go is that right am i missing anything like that's that's the right way to ask a question in an interview if you don't know something and you want to confirm that that's the right way to ask mm-hmm. like these are my assumptions based on data and experience i've had in the past what am i missing Crazy. there's not a person on earth that would be like oh they don't know xyz it's like no you're like everyone has something that they don't know yeah so so the the crazy thing is that that whole thing of saying here's my assumptions and here's what i think about it actually translates to more than just coding interviews you you can take that methodology apply it to uh product what you're what you're building like hey like here's the solution i think is is the way to go bring it up to your product manager and they'll be like we didn't think about that or yeah, we thought about that, but here's, you know, why it's not important. It opens up that conversation to be had. Yeah. So, so just being completely transparent and honest there opens up your ability to build those relationships by opening up those conversations. Right. Right. Absolutely. Man, a lot of good nuggets on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... Yeah. I honestly, I, I really wish people, uh, just, it, I, I think it's like a great life lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, in all honesty, like it, it, it works in interviews, but it tends to work in career too, and it works in other aspects. Every like, aspect of life here. Yeah, like you can take that. Like, just uh, you know, it, just try it. Try it with somebody. Uh, I know people are a little maybe socially starved these days, but uh, rekindle a conversation with somebody. Text somebody. And and try to really embody that that genuineness, right? That uh, that transparency and that that curiosity, and see where that takes. Like, you know, it's they they, they say like, don't listen to respond, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's that very same idea. So, I, I I'd be very interested in hearing uh, where people's conversations go because of that. Yeah. So. Um listeners what what are we doing wrong here what are are we assuming that's incorrect let us know (laughs) yeah love it